are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos only on 101.9 High FM. Point nine, Chai FM. This is Soul to Soul. Bound your radio. Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Parshas Ekev Tavshin Pei Beis, and a warm welcome to our entire radio family. It's so great to be back with you. So great to see you again this week, at least on the radio, and to be able to spend some time together, getting ready for another high, like a beautiful Shabbos Kodesh as it comes upon us, Baruch Hashem. We've gotten to another week. We have to thank Hakadosh Baruch Hu for the fact that Baruch Hashem. We've survived to another Shabbos, and that is amazingly, amazingly special. So, we have in this week's Pasha, the second Pasha of Shema, and the Torah tells us, And you shall teach them to your children, so that they will discuss them. Now this Pasuk, you know, which comes from the Pasha of Ayam Shema, the second Pasha, of Shema appears basically to reiterate what was already said in the first paragraph. And you shall instruct your children about them and you shall discuss them. That's in the first Pasha. On the surface, the second Pasha doesn't seem to be adding anything new. So Ramban explains that in the first pasuk, Mishinantam Levanecha, the focus is on Vidibarta. You shall speak. Your speech at home, in the presence of the family, should be in Torah. In the second pasuk, the emphasis on Ledaberbam, that the children shall speak to our children until they too will speak in Torah. Now, the first Pasuk centers on the father's learning. The second Pasuk enjoins in the manner in which we should teach our children so that they too will discuss Torah at all times. The father must learn. The father must instruct his son to learn. As the Ashlema Wobazatzal notes, our objective is to create a situation in which our children will discuss Torah on their own. This is achieved when the father conveys Torah to his children with clarity and proper explanation. The father has the extraordinary opportunity and ability to assist his children in forging an, an enduring relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. To a great extent, the degree of family harmony affects and determines a child's learning, especially if he or she is to learn from his or her parents. Creating a proper environment for learning is a staple of any home. The relationship between parents promotes this healthy kind of growth. Children cannot learn or grow in a home that is shattered by fighting and abuse. Right? No bad children exist. Only incompetent parents and discordant families. A chassid <coughs> once came to Rabbi Yeshua Zal, the Bells of Rebbe, with a complaint that his sons have no cheshek, no desire to learn, even though he's hired a special Rebbe for them. The Rebbe replied that the Torah instructed the father to learn with his sons using the word vishinantam, levanecha. So that's an indication that it's within a father's ability to teach his sons or see to it that someone else does. Hashem does not expect us to do what is beyond our ability. And let me ask you a question, the father, the Rebbe asked. Do you learn? Do you set aside time every day for Torah study? The man began to hem and haw offering, and you have a number of excuses for not learning. 
The Rebbe responded emphatically, if your son would see you learning every day, if they would see that you value Torah study, they too would learn. Since you do not learn, however, how can you expect them to have a desire to learn to learn Torah? The Kotzke Rebbe was asked by a chosid, whose son had just become bar mitzvah, what he should do to educate his son in the in the derech ha-tayra, in the Torah way, to grow up ethically and, and morally and spiritually correct. The Kotzke Rebbe responded, if you will act appropriately and follow in the ways of the tzaddikim, uh, right, your son will emulate you and grow up to be a source of nachas. This is 11.9 High FM. The program is Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a moment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 Chai FM, this is Soul to Soul, back on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Parshas Ekev, Tov, Shin, Pei, Beis, as we get ready for another amazing Shabbos Kodesh, Baruch Hashem, days are starting to get a little bit longer and Shabbos is becoming so much more inviting, so much more we can get done on Honor Shabbos. And it's really, as always, such a pleasure to be in your company, to have this amazing opportunity to spend a bit of time, to talk a little bit of Torah, hopefully to grow, hopefully to develop, hopefully to think of an idea that we can take with us into our Shabbos, speak about to our friends in shul, speak about as we walk to and from shul, talk about it at the Shabbos table. Let's find a way of making, of making what we say on the radio today something that has a legacy in your, in your life. And what I really want to speak about this week is something that's so, so important. And it's, it's really actually one of the main topics of this week's parsha, even though it's actually contained in just one, one pasuk. But I'm talking about the concept of what we call birchat amazon, the benching, the grace after meals that we make after we finish eating a meal that contains bread made from the five grains, wheat, barley, oat, spelt, or rye. There's a special, special blessing that was written very, very long ago. In fact, it's the, the obligation of, of, of saying the birchat amazon is actually a biblical Obligation. It's one of the mitzvot in the in in the Torah. And yes, we do it. We even maybe even read it from a book. But we race through it, and we don't always understand the incredible import that this these brachot, this this tefillah has, and what difference it can make. A in our own personal lives, and B. In, in the cosmos, in, in the world as a whole. It's, it's, it's such a beautiful and such an important. And it takes what? Five minutes? Seven minutes if you do it properly? And it can actually change your life in an incredibly significant, significant way. And it is really, as I say, one of the main, uh, 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 facets of this week's Pasha. And of course it's all based on the Pasha, Viachalta, the Savata, Uverachta. They said, you'll eat, and you'll be satisfied, and then you will bless Hashem. Hashem You'll bless Hashem, your God. For the good land that, that He gave, that He gave you. And our Chazal learn from this Pasuk, that a person is required by the Torah to require, to, to recite Pirachasamazan after he has eaten. And is satisfied, right? As we learned, in fact, in the, in the, uh, in the Gemara, that from where in the Torah do we derive the obligation to recite Pechas Hamazan after meals? For it was written, Yachalta, you eat, the Sabbata, and you be satisfied, over after, and we want to bless our Kurdish Baruch. In fact, our, our Chazal, our rabbis, deduce from this Pasuk, that there is actually a positive commandment to recite four brachas after eating a meal. The first three are actually biblically uh, ordered, while the fourth one, which was instituted 
by the Chazal later on in a place called Yavne, as the Gemara and Brochus uh, uh, says. In fact, the, the language of the Brites is the rabbis taught in a Brite, the order in which we ought to recite the Brochus of Birchus Hamazan. First Brocha is Hazanatolam, right? The second Brocha is Al Aretz Al Hamazan. The third one ends Bone Yerushalayim Amen. And the fourth one is the bracha of Hatov, Hatov Ametiv. Now, according to, to the Gemara, the fourth bracha, right, the, 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 uh, commemorates those who were slain in the town of, of, uh, of, of Beitar. As in fact, the, uh, the Gemara says, uh, Rav Matna stated that the day that permission was finally granted, to bury those slain in Beitar. So the sages in Gavne instituted the bracha of Hatov Vahametiv. Hatov, Hashem is good. Why? Because he miraculously did not allow the bodies to decay. Even though many years had passed since the Romans had killed him, the bodies did not decay. And Vahametiv, he who, who uh, kind of does and confers goods, for ensuring that they were <clears throat> ultimately able to be afforded a proper Jewish Jewish burial. Now, the first three brachas of Baruch Samazan, we know we said are are biblical in their in their origin. So it's it's worthwhile to point out that they were formulated much much earlier by the the first bracha we know was written by Moshe Rabbeinu. The second bracha, the bracha that begins Nod Lachashlamakenu, was written by Yeshua Benun, and the third bracha, which begins with Rachem Hashem Lakenu, was written by King David and King Shlomo uh, uh, together. That's how that's how ancient, that's how uh, 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 steeped in history these blessings these blessings are. Now the Rashba questions the Gemara statement. That these brachas were actually formulated by Moshe, Yeshua, David, and Shlomo, seeing as the Gemara states explicitly that they were ordained by the Torah. Right? Yeshua and David and Shlomo lived up the way after the, 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 the conclusion of the Torah. So he wants to suggest that they did not institute these brachot, but merely established the kind of universal formula to be recited by all Jews at the appropriate times. For as far as the obligation decreed by the Torah is concerned, a Jew could express his gratitude with any formula that he chooses, and they just fixed the, the, the words of benching to be a prescribed formula for, for everybody. Now, let's ask perhaps a quite an intriguing an intriguing uh, question. Now we know all of the brachot that are associated with all of our earthly pleasures, right? What we call birchat hanenin, blessings of pleasure. We know were written by the rabbis, with the exception of the first three brachas of birchas hamazon, which were ordained by by the Torah. Now this emphasizes the very special significance of Birchas HaMazan and suggests that it is a very fundamental and unique practice in our service of our Kaddish Baruch. In fact, the, the Sefer HaChinuch in Mitzvah 430, so uh, he, uh, he brings that the following as about, about the, the Benshim. Just read the translated. Says, so I received the tradition from my rabbis, Shem should protect them, that whoever is mindful to observe the obligation of Birchas Hamazon, so his sustenance will be available to me, to be, will be available to him with dignity throughout his life. Understood in one simple sentence. That means that for expressing our gratitude to Hashem and acknowledging that He provides 
for us and sustains us at all times, we merit receiving ample good from His heavenly stores with dignity. Notwithstanding, we want to explore this a little bit, a little bit deeper. Let's go the following way. There's a pasuk that it says about Avram Avinu. It says, it says there that Avram traveled from Beersheba and Vayita Eshel. He planted an Eshel in Beersheba. And Vayikra Hashem, and he proclaimed the name of Hashem. Right? And he called him God of the universe. Rashi comments there, by means of that Eshel, the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu was proclaimed as God for the entire universe. After they would eat and drink, Savram would say to them, bless him of who you have eaten. Do you believe that you have eaten of that which is mine or that which belongs to him who spoke and brought the universe into existence? Right? So, again, this begins to shed light on the meaning of the Pasuk and the souls that they made in Choron. Rashi says over there, for they took them in under the wings of the Shekinah. Avram, we know, converted the men and Sarah would convert the women. The Torah considers as if they made them, also they made these people. Why? By instructing his guests to recite Birchas HaMazan to HaKadosh Baruch Hu after they finished eating their meal in Avram's, in Avram's tent. So Avram was able to bring them under the wings of the Shekhinah. In other words, to recognize and accept HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We'll be back in a moment. This is 101.9. Chai the program is sold to soul. Please stay with us. There's lots more coming. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Soul to Soul, back on your radio, Erev Shabbos, Kodesh Pashas, Akev, in the year, Tough Shit, Pei Beis, 5782. We are started a discussion about the very, very, very important and fundamental part of our day and our life, which is the Birchat Amazon, the benching that we say, at the end of every bread meal that that we eat. And we're trying to get a little bit to the depth of what this important mitzvah is. It's actually a biblical uh, mitzvah and how it actually makes a difference, will make a difference in our lives uh, uh, specifically and in the lives of the entire world and the, in the entire spectrum of, of existence. So let's actually carry on with a, a, a conversation that's printed in the safe of MSM Munah, involving the, the, uh, the Kotzkarebbe and his Talmud, the Chidush Yorim. Says, the author of the Chidush Yorim once asked a Chosid named Rav Avish what he had learned in Kotzk. So he answered, the rabbi wondered why reciting Birch Samazan does not inspire a person to be more God-fearing and upright. After all, it was the primary method used by Avram Avinu, right, to bring people close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So, so how come it is that nowadays it doesn't seem to work? So the Chedush Yarim responded, that he wondered why eating does not inspire a person to be God-fearing and upright. After all, it says, the Paskin in, uh, in Yeshaya, an ox knows its owner, and a donkey its master's trough. So, what's, what's going on? So perhaps we can combine the, the, uh, the, the discussion between the Rebbe and his student based on a teaching from the Zayra Kaddish. And the Zayra states 
that this Eishel that Avram planted in Beersheba was aimed at rectifying the original Chet that was performed by Avram Avinu. He says there, as a consequence of sinning by partaking of the eighth Hadas, Adam we know brought death to the world. He was then banished from Gan Eden so that he would not partake of the eight Sakhayim. Avram came along and began the process of Tikkun with a different tree. And by abiding by the eight Sakhayim, he taught the inhabitants of the world to believe in, in Akadish Baruch. <laughs> it was what desire is, is, is telling us. So let's bring it by Ahmed. There's a Medrash in Medrash Rabbah that says that Avram Avinu was the first person to begin to make that tikkun, to make that rectification of the damage caused by Adam Orishan. Right? And, and the Medrash is on the, the Pasuk. It says, Hashem formed man. And it says, in the, in the merits of Avram Avinu, Rav Levi said, the biggest man among the giants, it's what's called the uh, refers to Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu was a giant among giants. Why does the pastor call him so big, great? Because he was worthy to be created before Adam Orishan. Yet, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, maybe he will go astray and there won't be anyone to make amends after him. Instead, I will create Adam first so that even if he makes mistakes, Avram can come and fix up the damage that he's caused, make amends for him. Now, the other, the, the, in the Sefer Agogulum, the Arizal teaches us that all of the Nishamas were contained within Adam, Adam Orishan. When he sinned by partaking of the eight Sadas, therefore, the death sentence was imposed on all of creation, and not just on Adam and Chava, since they all participated in the Avera. Since then, it's incumbent upon every single Jew to try to fix up and make amends for his part in the Chet of Eitzadas. This implies that in effect, Adam Arishan kind of fed all of the future Neshamas, right, the food that was prohibited. We all ate from that food that we weren't supposed to eat from Eitzadas. In order to fix that up, in order to make amends, Avram Avinu planted an Eishel in Beersheba. By doing that, he fed all of his guests food that was permitted for consumption. Furthermore, he taught them to bless HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the food. In this manner, he drew them all closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, fixing the fact that they had eaten food that was prohibited when they were in the Shamas within Adam, Adam Orishan. Now, with this kind of background, let's, let's perhaps elaborate a little more on the subject. So the Gemara tells us, Gemara in Sanhedrin, New Testament base, that after trapping Adam and Chava in, in the, uh, in his kind of deceitful web, Sa'akadish Baruch Hu punished the Nachashakamani, the primeval snake, and, and by a, by cutting off its, its legs. As the Gemara says, Gemara says, uh, Rabbi Shimon ben Menasia says, it is unfortunate that a great servant was lost in the world. For had the serpent not been cursed, each and every one of Israel would have had two good serpents as servants. One he would send to the north, and one he would send to the south to bring him gems 
and precious stones and all kinds of uh, pearls. Furthermore, it, it would have been possible to attach a strap beneath its tail and have it take out soil to his garden and to its, to its room. The, the Megalamu Amukas, on last week's Pasha, explains the nature and significance of these two serpents. He states that the Nokashakarmani was the root and the embodiment of all the forces of, of Tuma. Therefore, it contained the two major types of externalities. I guess we call them klipois of both Yishmael and Esav. And that's actually alluded to by the name Nochosh. Nochosh is an abbreviation for Nochosh, Chamor, and Shor. Nun, Ches, Shin. Nochosh, Chamor, Shor. The serpent, the donkey, Yishmael is called the donkey, and the ox, which is Esav. By combining these two very formidable forces of Tumah, the Nachash succeeded in trapping Adam and Chava, causing them to stumble and do the Avera with, with the Yetz, with the Yetz Adas. Now, had Adam Arisha not succumbed to the Nachash money, so he would have successfully overcome these two forces of Tumah, the donkey and the ox, embodied by the Nachash. Not only would he have subdued all the impure forces of the Nachash, but he would have transformed them into forces of goods. Right? Which fits with the, the concept in, in, in Shabbos that says, Umalach Ra. That the person has his Shabbos table beautifully set, so even the bad angel has to say Amen against his will. Had he accomplished this feat, Hakadosh Baruch Hu would not have prohibited us from plowing with an ox and a donkey together, because on the contrary, we would dafka use the nachash. Right, containing all of these two major forces for the sake of Kedusha. The Nachash, which would still have its two legs, would run to serve us. Right, the force of the donkey, we would send to the south, which is the right side, representing the Midah of Chesed, to perform acts of kindness on behalf of Hashem. Whereas the force of the ox, right, Esav, we would deploy to the north, which is the side, the left side, repre- representing the Mida of, of Gevura, to perform acts of, of severity and, and restraint in the service of, of HaKadosh Baruch So that's what we're being told by Rav Shimon Ben Menasya, when he says that it's such a chaval that we have lost these two statements that had the Nakashakarmani continue to exist with both of, of, of his, uh, of his legs. So every single Jew would have had two great servants at his beck and call. Namely, the donkey, Yishmael, and the ox, right, contained within this this nafash and the arts would be available for tasks involving a gavura, and that would be to the left, and the the, the kamar, which is Yishmael, him he would send to the right, which would be a task of midas midas chasadim, and he would bring him all kinds of jewels and, and pearls and gems and all kinds of yummy yummy stuff, and furthermore. Right? He would have been allowed to work his fields with the ox and the donkey and the donkey together. So we know, of course, unfortunately, that Osman Chava <coughs> failed to overcome the Nachash. They fell into its trap 
which was brought about by the forces of the donkey and the ox. And not only were these two forces not transformed into forces for good, serving the realm of Kedusha, but they fell into the depths of Tumah, right, which combat and, and fight against the forces of Kedusha at every turn. They became the roots of evil, of Ra, of perversion, leading the, the, the angels of the 70 nations of, of, of the world. And as a consequence, the, the, uh, prohibition, not to plow with an ox and a donkey together was, was reinstated. For it is essential not to allow these two formidable powers of Tumah to join forces due to the inherent danger they pose. Rather, it's crucial to keep this evil pair separated and to destroy them eventually forever, forever, uh, forevermore. And therefore, so we can now perhaps go together the significance of these two dangerous, dangerous enemies, the ox and the donkey, which were, were combined together in the Nachash HaKadmoni, which Adam Arishan failed to, to transform. There's a Gemara in Erevin, which quotes Rabbi Yochanan as saying, if the Torah had not been given, we could have learnt all kinds of good character traits from the animal world. We could have lost, we could have learned modesty from the cat. That theft is wrong from the ant and that adultery is wrong from the dove. So even prior to Matan Torah, we could have already learned how to properly serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu by observing the behavior of various animals and living, living creatures. Now, with this in mind, what about this Pasuk? The Pasuk we learned just two weeks ago in the Haftarah of Shabbos Chazayin. Yoda Shor Kaneyu. An ox knows its owner. And a donkey, it's master's trough. Yisrael, but Yisrael does not know. My people does not comprehend. Now when Adam Rishon was created, the Torah, the Torah writes, you can eat any other trees except the eight sadas that you mustn't eat, because on the day you eat from that, then you're going to surely die. Now Rabbeinu Bachaya points out that Adam Arishan and that situation was issued two mitzvahs here. One, a positive mitzvah, and a, an say. Positive mitzvah was to eat from every tree in the garden, right? But he was prohibited from eating from the Yetzadas Tevira. Now, why would Hashem have given such a mitzvah, a positive mitzvah, to eat from all the trees in the, in, in the garden? What would be the point of that? Man had to learn from the examples of the ox and the donkey to recognize and appreciate that HaKadosh Baruch Hu prepared a world for him full of a vast variety of, of delicacy. In fact, as the Gemara says, the Rabbi is taught in Abraissa, Adam was created on Erev Shabbos, Friday. Why? So that he would enter the banquets immediately. Right? It's comparable to a king, a human king, right? who built a palace, decorated it, prepared a banquet, and only afterwards brought in, brought in the guests. Now, it's HaKadosh Baruch Hu first uh, 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 created the world, and, and in a way he, he criticized 
Kleiser, that even the animals recognize the hand that feeds them. Yet, Ademarishan and all the Jewish neshamas contained within him failed to learn this lesson, right, from the animals to recognize and appreciate that HaKadosh Baruch Hu feeds them and sustains it's, we didn't partake it of the Yitzhadas. Yisrael failed to appreciate the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created them and prepared all sorts of delights and tasty morsels for, for them. So that now clarifies what we saw before in the Megalia Mukas, right? If the, if the name of Nachash is Nachash Kamor and Shor, right? The serpent that caused Adam and Chava to sin was the very embodiment of all that externality, of all the evil of the ox and the donkey together. And instead of teaching Adam Arishan and all of the Nishamas contained with him to recognize their creator who sustains them, right? They did exactly the opposite. They encourage them to 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 blaspheme by denying Hakadosh Baruch Hu's authority, and this is uh, this is clear from the argument that the Nachash used against Chava. The Nachash said to the woman, "Right, you're not going to die, for Hakadosh Baruch Hu knows that on the day that you eat, your eyes will be opened." And you will be like Hashem, knowing good and evil. And Rashi explains, the Nachash argued, every craftsman hates others on his craft. God ate from the tree and created the world. So by eating from the tree, you will also be like God and, and be able to fashion, fashion the, the world. So the Nachash chose to persuade and influence them, right? With, with, with the apicosis that Akash Baruch Hu had eaten from the tree and then created the world, it was deliberately suggesting that the tree existed before Akash Baruch Hu. Right? In other words, it intended to, to activate all the tumor of the Khshar and the Chamor so that Adam and Chava would not emulate the ox and the donkey of, of Kedusha. And there would be people who didn't know, know HaKadosh Baruch So the conclusion is that in the merit of the three brachas of Birchas HaMazan, we are able to make a ticket to rectify and negate all the klipas of the Nachash, the Nachash, the, the Hamar, and the Shor. As a result, we do acknowledge and we are grateful in the sense of we do know our master, and the donkey does know his master's trough. And in this merit, because of our curse of we are then entitled and deserving to earn our parnasa, earn our livelihood with dignity. For there's no longer a concern that a person is going to become a, a Balgaiva. He's going to say, my strength and the might of my hand made me wealth. In fact, quite the opposite is true. By reciting Berchasamazan, we demonstrate that we recognize and appreciate what HaKadosh Baruch Hu does for us, fulfilling the words of the Pasuk, then you shall remember HaKadosh Baruch Hu, your God, that it is He who gave you the strength to make good. And then we can be zeichen to all the wealth and all the good in the world. This is one Mopanan Chayafem. Soul to Soul is the program. We'll be back in a moment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Soul to Soul, back on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Parshas Ekev, Tav Shin Pei Beis. As we get ready for another amazing Shabbos Kodesh, this Shabbos even more amazing, of course, because as we'll discuss in a moment, this is Shabbos Mavarchim, but not just... Any Shabbos Mavarchim, this is Shabbos Mavarchim for Chodesh Elul. Elul is approaching. Rosh Hashanah is only five and, and a bit weeks away. 
we need to start getting our act together and start preparing for for Rosh Hashanah. But before we do that, let's talk about some of the important details, as we always do at this time. The important details that we need to know for this coming Shabbos. So, Hadlokas Neiros lighting candles this afternoon. The earliest time one can light Shabbos candles this afternoon is at 4.39. 4.39, one minute before 20 to 5, is already a great time to start one Shabbos. Get everything organized. If you do have load shedding, of course, you'll need to make sure that everything is already heated before 4 o'clock, before the lights go off. If you're not, then very lucky, and you can have a normal Shabbos and still have everything ready by 20 to 5 and be able to light your Shabbos candles and get the incredible Shabbos atmosphere in your home as early as possible. There's nothing wrong with it. We don't have to always be last-minute people who go screeching off for the break sets as the latest time. Let's move up early. Let's especially, now at this time, it's a schooler for us with all the tzoros, everything that's going on, to try, if we can, to start Shabbos a little bit earlier. The latest time for benching licht this coming afternoon is at 5.32, 28 minutes before 6, 5.32 is the latest time for benching licht. Everything must and should be done before then so that Shabbos will come to our homes at least in a moderately uh, effective time. And not to let it go beyond that, your danger pay time is at 5.50 shkir, is at 10 to 6. That's the absolute latest for a person that really, really has a crisis in their life and can't get to Shabbos earlier. 5.50 is the absolute latest uh, Ashkia. If you want then to Davin Meirev and be able to not have to repeat the Krishma again, Davin Meirev at night, then you have to wait to just 6.08. 6.08 is already pure night and you can say uh, a Krishma and then spend the rest of the lovely evening with your family, with your friends, with your with a safer, with some some Torah, with some nice ideas, some nice discussions, some beautiful zmiras, some hot, nice hot food, because it's a bit chilly tonight. And let's make this a really really grand Shabbos as as it's meant to be. Tomorrow, of course, we lane Pasha's Akev. Beautiful, beautiful. Parsha, which has in it also the second Parsha of the Shema, Vayim Shemaya, as we mentioned, as we mentioned uh, before. The Haftarah for this week is the second of the seven Haftarahs of comfort. Temetz Yoin Azovani Hashem. That's the Haftarah of, of, of the Shabbos. And then, of course, it is Shabbos Mavorchim Elul, Shabbos, uh, will be next Shabbos and, and Sunday ushering in Chodesh, Chodesh Elo. So we do it this, this, this Shabbos, uh, uh, when in, in previous times when they used to bench Rosh Chodesh Elo, people started getting very, very frightened, very uptight. Rosh Hashanah is coming. Rosh Hashanah, of course, is the time where our lives literally are on the line and we need to prepare for it. We need to get ready, get ready for, for it because it's Shabbos. We're not going to say Avarachamim in, in Davening. Those shuls that have special programs for Shabbos of Archim, a special chon, whatever it might be, will certainly have that on this week. So even if you perhaps have not been the most regular shul goer since the shuls opened, Chapurah grab it now. Now's the time to start. Shoah Kadosh Baruch Hu, you're serious about your Yiddishkeit and get back into shul in time for, for, uh, for Elul. The Perkeyavis Perik this week is Perik Dalid, the fourth Perik of Perkeyavis. Learn it, study it, get some really great insight, uh, into it. And of course, Shabbos Kodesh ends this coming, uh, tomorrow night at 6.22. 22 minutes past six is the end of, uh, of, of Shabbos. And as I said, we go into the last week of Chodesh preparing for Rosh Chodesh El ne- coming next, uh, ne- next Shabbos. We are just finishing up the laws of, of Abdullah. We basically described the whole process of how we make Abdullah, what we have to do in order to fulfill the, the, uh, the mitzvah. So just in conclusion, 
you know, we know that uh, we have this concept of being moisif michol ala kodesh, where we take a little bit of time of the day preceding Shabbos, Friday, and take that time and actually make it part of Shabbos. As we know, we start our Shabbos generally 18 minutes before sunset. Those 18 minutes before sunset are certainly, technically speaking, part of Friday. But yet, by making that, by making candlelighting time at the beginning of those 80 minutes, we basically make those 80 minutes that are really Friday part of Shabbos. And that is a mitzvah seidoi raisa, a biblical mitzvah to extend the Shabbos and add some time from Friday into the, into the, uh, into the Shabbos. And the reality is that not only is that a mitzvah, when Shabbos comes in to start the Shabbos on a time that is still certainly Friday, so too it's the same type of mitzvah to when Shabbos is over and now have taken effect certainly some 27 minutes after sunset would certainly be night, that already stars would be out. However, in order to steal some time from Sunday, on to Shabbos, we actually extend and only end Shabbos about 31, 31 and a half minutes after sunset and those four extra minutes are a fulfillment of this adding on to Shabbos from from Sunday. Right now, and after that, obviously, one would then be uh, allowed, as far as the Torah is concerned, once Shabbos is over, one would be allowed to do any kind of work, even without making Havdalah. However, Achachomim instituted that no one is allowed to do anything forbidden on Shabbos, even after Shabbos is over, until after we say this minimal Amount of halacha by that that uh, that, that uh, is contained in the bracha of of uh, either Davni Meirev and and the bracha that we say in the fourth bracha of this one essay Atoch and Atano, or at least by saying the words Baruch Hamabdil Ben Kodesh Lacho, and once you say that, then. Uh, the Rabbanon agree that at that point you're allowed to, to, uh, to do, to do Malacha already at that, at that time. And even those types of Malacha that are forbidden, not biblically, but let's say by the, uh, by the Chachamim, still you cannot do any of them until at least you've either David Meirev and said Atochanatano or said these, so to speak, magic words of Baruch Hamavdil Ben Kodesh Lecho. Now, because of the great importance of, of Havdalah, right, and, and not just Havdalah, we're making Havdalah over a cup of wine, Chazal forbade us to eat or to drink from the time of sunset as we kind of exit from Shabbos until you've made Havdalah over, over a cup of wine. You may not eat anything until afterwards. The exception would be water. One can have water even before making Abdullah because they're not so important. The water is, is really not such an important drink. And therefore, you can have it even without, uh, even without making, making, uh, Abdullah. Okay, we have a few last halachas to come back to in a moment. This is 11.9. Chai FM. Soul to Soul is the program. And this is the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Soul to Soul, back on your radio. Erev Shabbos, Kodesh, Pashas, Ekev, Tov, Shin, Pei, Beis, 
as we conclude some of the laws of Havdalah, so we just said there are some who permit having water before Havdalah, but also many of the Paiskim who don't allow it. So basically, the way it works is, you cannot do any malacha after Shabbos until you've said a verbal Havdalah, either that Tochanatonu in the Shwan Essay, or the words Baruch you cannot eat and drink until you've made Havdalah over a, a kais. That's generally the, uh, the, 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 the rule. Now, if you are, uh, uh having a long gated, uh, shalshudis, way past the end of, of Shabbos, and when you're now going to uh, bench at the end of Shalashus over a cup of wine. So most of the place can say that the person leading the benching would be allowed to drink from the wine after benching, even though it's already after sunset or maybe even after nightfall. But the, And they allow that because they say that the drinking of the wine is a continuation of the meal, and just as if you decided to continue Shalashus way into the night, you'd be allowed to eat the whole time that Shalashus is going on, even if it's after night, because that's part of Shalashus. So do they say, drinking the cup of wine is an extension also of, of the, uh, of the meal. However, there are many, many other Paiskim who disagree, and they say, no, since we don't always bench over a cup of wine, you cannot consider that the wine is a continuation of the meal, and therefore it's us to drink it before Havdalah. And that's the opinion of the Magen Avram, and the way the Mishnah Burr brings it down. Now, those who follow the second opinion, that they don't drink it, basically, they put the cup of wine aside, and they'll use it for Adal Davin Ma'ev, and afterwards they'll say Havdalah over that same cup. Once it was used for one mitzvah, we then want to use it again for another another uh, uh, another mitzvah, right? Uh, if you have at Shalshudis a, a chatan and, and a kala, so since we have to make the seven rochas and drink the wine, what we usually do is we ask the chatan to lead the benching, and then he and the kala are able to drink are able to drink the uh, the, the the wine. Now, um, one actually is allowed to make havdalah over a cup of wine before you even daven myriv, and then afterwards you'll still say atachon but be careful just not to drink too much wine, because the, at a certain point it becomes slightly not permitted to to uh, daven once you've had too much of a of an alcohol intake. Well, that about concludes our discussion on the laws of Havdalah. Be'ez Hashem, next week we're going to get stuck into the actual 39 Malachas. We're going to start that again. We'll stop with the principles behind the Malachas and then start getting into the really, really important Malachas that we need to know. In the meantime, I want to wish each and every one you thank you, first of all, for taking the time to join us and to wish every single one of you a beautiful, gishmach, warm, and inspiring good chaps.